So cool, I'm glad we get to have moments like that, don't you? It's good. Well, thank you for being here this morning and joining us for uh, Father's Day weekend. Uh, I know there's a lot of cool things to do out there like fishing and boating and hiking, uh, but you chose to be here. So uh, I know that's a special blessing and you're going to have the the rest of the day to have fun, enjoy family time. Um, And so I'm going to do my best to just condense today uh, so that you guys can get out of here for in time to enjoy the sunshine. Hasn't it been great? Like, the sunshine's been great? Yeah. Uh, just seeing if you're awake this morning, God help me out. Uh, but uh, thanks again. Uh, I, before I start, I just wanna have a, a moment to just acknowledge all of our fathers. I know that we kinda uh, already did that, but I just, from my heart, I wanna acknowledge you fathers. You come in different ways, whether you're biological dads, stepdads. I had a stepdad growing up. I know how important that is to a young person's life. Uh, adopted dads. And one very important group, spiritual dads. Come on, how many of you guys grew up with a spiritual dad or a few spiritual dads in your life, right? Helped guide you and and grow you to become the person that you are today. I'm so thankful for men of God. I'm thankful for men in a church who are faithful, men in a church who lead by example. And we're in a part, we're, we're in a church that has many men. So can we just give it up for all of our fellas? Amen. Good. I love being a dad. Uh, it is the greatest gift of my life, besides my wife. It's just the greatest gift. I, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, it, it, it. You know, I've learned a lot from fatherhood. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about un- what it means to have unconditional, sacrificial love. Not only to give it, but to receive it. And fatherhood has taught me that. But some of you guys know my story, and I come into a day like this with a lot of mixed emotions. You know, I, I didn't have my father growing up in life, and so there's times where I've had to wrestle through walking into a, a Father's Day celebration, but I wanna tell you, so if anybody here is feeling that sense of tension, I wanna tell you that, that God is a God who can redeem that part of you. And he's been doing a lot of work in my life the last 20 years that really helped redeem that side, and, uh, and I believe that God can do that for you, because we have... A good, good father, amen? Yes. And that's who we serve, and, and I believe that God wants to do that. God wants to do that. Well, this morning's message is titled, The Father's Heart, The Father's Heart, and I just really believe that as we dive into scripture today, that I believe that God is going to show you a clear picture of the Father's heart, of the Father's heart, because that is so critical in your walk in this thing called Christianity, is that you gotta know that there's a Father in heaven, and you gotta know what he's like, and you gotta know what he believes, and you gotta know what he thinks of you. And I think that that's where a lot of our freedom lies. And so I just really believe that with my heart. And so we're gonna open up today from the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians. And I know that you're probably thinking, man, I've never heard a Father's Day message out of Galatians. So, uh, so, and, and neither have I, <laughs> for the record. Uh, but I'm gonna do my best at the time that I have to kind of unpack a few scriptures uh, in there uh, to show you uh, that in there that there's a clear picture of the Father's heart and what, Christ, what Christ did and how we've been adopted into God's family. But let's begin in prayer. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you've gathered us together. God, I already see, God, that there is already active work happening in everyone's heart. And I pray, God, that as I continue to share your word, God, I pray that that work continues, that we keep having an open heart towards you like we did during our worship time. God, I pray that you have your way. In Jesus' name, everybody said? 
Amen. Galatians chapter four. So go ahead and scroll through there or flip through there. Uh, Galatians chapter four. Now this is, this is a great book to read, a great letter uh, 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 that's given. It's an epistle from the Apostle Paul. And I, I, I wanna encourage you, take time this week maybe to read it all in its context. I'm trying to, to sum it up in, in just a few verses, but there's so much good things to glean from in this. But you have to know a little bit of background here. See, this book is written, like I said, from the Apostle Paul to a group of churches, and it's, it, it, Galatia is not a city, it's actually a region. It's like thinking of where we live today. We live in the Puget Sound region. So anywhere from Seattle to Olympia is known as the Puget Sound. And so this was given to a group of churches. This letter was circulated through many churches. Some scholars and theologians believe that this was, this was dozens of churches with hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people that were recipients of this letter from Paul. And Paul knew these people well. He actually uh, planted many of these churches. And so this was something near and dear to his heart. So as he's writing this letter, get the feel that this is like a, a father speaking to his children. This is kind of how he's giving it to him. And so that's why I think it's important. And, and what's interesting is that if you read up to this point, you see that there is something burning in Paul. This, this, you could call it a, a, a holy rage. You know, there's this thing that he really wants to get across, but he wants to get it out in a very strong way. And so there's some language in it where you could see that it's something that he's really trying to get across. And, and what's happening here is that, is that they're battling through this tension in them of, of living more focused on works for salvation than the grace of God. The grace has saved them. And, and there were some false teachers that entered the camp, and in his absence, they came in, and they started teaching this, this gospel that was called the gospel of Jesus and. Jesus and. So you, you have Jesus, but you also need a few other things to make this thing, to seal the deal, to, to make it full. And, and, and so they started to, to, to get this into the people's hearts, and it confused them, and there was even... Uh, division happening and people breaking off from the faith. And, and so Paul gets word of this and he just can't stand it. And he, so he gets this letter and he's trying to talk to them and he's trying to get them convinced to understand that, no, that is not the gospel. That is, you can't add anything to Jesus and what he's done. A gospel that is Jesus and is no gospel at all. And so that's really the tone of this message or this letter to this church or these group of churches. And so he wants to get it across. It's interesting to me that he uses some pretty strong language. Uh, in, in the chapter, chapter one, verse six, he says this. He says, he says, I am astonished. Another translation says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God. I mean, that's how he starts. And if you know Paul and you've read through his letters, you see that, that, that he doesn't really start off these letters like that. Well, some of had to really be burning in him to do this. And, and even later on, he says this. He says, oh, foolish Galatians. He says, has someone cast a spell on you? I like the message version better because it's so plain. He says, he says you crazy Galatians. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. You know, you feel the tension in his writing that he's really trying to, trying to get these people to go back to to, to the gospel truth, to get away from this idea that I need to work my way into God's favor. No, God showed us his favor by sending his son. And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, that's the truth. That's the gospel that saved. It wasn't what I did or how I, how I earned this. It was given to me. 
And, and, and that's, where, that's, that's where the tension lies. And, 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 and he, he, just, he just is bringing this out to them. He's saying, how can you believe this thing? And, 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 and it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was wrapped in this package of saying, this is a new way of thinking. You, you heard Paul say this, but I wanna add to what Paul said. You know, they were trying to discredit what Jesus did and what Paul taught. And so they started to, to, to wrap in this old way of thinking and this new way of thinking and trying to mesh it together, and it wasn't working. People were getting confused. They were like, I don't understand how I'm supposed to keep doing all these other things when, you, when I heard a gospel preach that, I, that it wasn't what I did that, showed, that, that, that gave me favor in God's eyes. And so you can see the tension of what's happening here. And I think that the many people, if we're honest today, are still walking in that same tension. Doesn't matter whether you grew up in a Jewish tradition or, or, or not a church tradition. I think that every human heart has a desire to want to connect with their creator. And every religion in the world tells you this, is that you got to work your way up to that status. But only Christianity is one that tells you that we can never do that. And so a God that's perfect from heaven had to come down so that we can know him. That's Christianity. That's the gospel truth. And that's what's happening here. And that's, that's where you see this tension. And so they're thinking that, that I have to work my way in. But that's the old way. And they're living in the new. You can say that they were graduated <laughs> into a new. You know, the, those things were things that, that, that and I'll, I'll go into what the law means. And, and, and that's really what, what, what the tension is, is between the law and works versus grace. And understanding that. But I think that there's many of us that feel this way. You know, mentally in our minds, we understand this. We say amen, we nod, and we're like, yeah, that's true. So we're convinced maybe in our minds that this is the truth, but maybe our hearts have not embraced this truth. I see that time and time again from many believers that, you know, because the thing is, is that these Galatians, they started out right. They started out in this truth. They received this grace and they were changed and transformed and churches formed and, and, and there was an explosion of what God was doing among the people in the region. It's amazing. And somehow down the road in their walk with God, they had this question in their mind, is this enough? And why doing enough? There's more that I don't know. And what's crazy is that these false teachers, they took that tension and they took it as an opportunity for them to come in and start preaching this other gospel that said that there's, that's not enough, that God requires more. And they were convinced of that. And that's why he's fired up. That's why he's wondering. And, he, and, and I think that many of us, we, we feel this way. We've been walking with God for a while. We've been doing this Christian walk for a while. We started out well. We started out well, but then after a while, we start wondering the same thing. Is there more? And it's easy for us because what happens in a tension like that is that our heart starts to default to the old way. What's the old way? The old way is gotta work my way up gotta work my way in, I gotta do some stuff. But why, why is that? Because the Bible says that our hearts are deceitful at times. We can't trust this thing all the time, right? And, and, and it's, it's, it's easier, it's easier to try to do some religious practices to clean up stuff in our life. When we feel guilty, when we have these guilty feelings, it's easier for us to do some good works to clear up our conscience instead of running to God. Instead of going to God, instead of running to him through the finished work of Christ to say, God, I just wanna get closer to you. To come with a heart of repentance to God and say, God, it's by what you've done for me. It's your grace that has set me free. It's your grace is gonna keep me free. And I wanna just learn from you. 
And I wanna rely on you in my weakness. Guys, that's grace. Where sin is there, grace abounds. That's grace. We're living in this freedom of grace. And that's what Paul is trying to get into the hearts of these people. But in order for that to happen, in order for us to experience the fullness, it takes relationship. It takes relationship, not religion. You know, that's what Jesus purchased for us on the cross. He purchased relationship with him, with God the Father. So these false teachers come in and they start to distort this truth. And so Paul has to begin with getting their minds back to the beginning, back to why this law was given, what the importance of how it changed and how it, how it was used by God to set us free, to set us up for the gospel. So if you have Bibles, I gave you enough time to find Galatians. Chapter four, verse one and seven. Man, I'm running out of time. Here we go. He says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time is set by his father. Okay, so he's given us an earthly example to speak to a real truth. He says, so also when we were underage, we were, a, we were in slavery under elemental spiritual forces of the world. But then, listen to this, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Um, this goes real deep, real fast. This is an amazing passage. It just probably brings out lots of sermons. I'm trying to keep it to just one. But there's so much truth in this. There's so much connection of, because see, the, in the past, in the old ways, the people had to do these, the, the, these laws, and, and, and God brought the law, he brought the Ten Commandments to Moses, to give people an understanding of God's holiness and also how to, to connect with him and to give them an identity. And what's hard about the human heart is that it took those laws and it used it to make them feel better than everyone else. That's what the human heart does. And, and, and it's crazy because they, what happened out of the 10, there ended up being 613 other laws that came after that. And God used it to give them an identity. God used it to help them understand. And kind of, they, 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 they live their lives trying to uh, learn how to connect with God and relate to God through these rules, these laws. But what they did is they turned this that God meant to bring them closer so that they would identify that they needed grace, that they needed God. And instead, they, they turned it into rules, rituals, and regulations. They turned their relationship with God into a bunch of rules, rituals, and regulations. And I gotta ask you this morning, has your Christian life, have your Christian walk, has it turned into rules, regulations, and rituals? Are you just going through the motions? Are you just trying to check all the boxes so that God would love you more? That you would have grace, that you would have favor based on what kind of week you had prior to coming here? It's interesting because I see that there's some people that are just held back by full expression of worship in a setting like this because they're thinking about all the things that they did or didn't do the previous week. They don't understand that they can boldly come to the throne of grace and receive mercy in time of need. They don't go to God for that. They sit there and they measure themselves. 
based on their performance, based on their behavior, based on all the things. That, did I do all the rituals? Did I do all the, the rules? Instead of knowing that God opened it up through Christ, that he opened it up, this life of grace that we can come in, that we receive this unmerited favor from God to come and say, God, I am weak, you are strong. You can help me, you can heal me, you can grow me. That's the same issue that these people had. So before we point fingers at them, we need to think and reflect on our own lives and say, God, am I doing the same way? Have I, has I, have I turned your amazing salvation into behavioral salvation? That I have to do all these things to earn your favor and earn your trust? Because when I read the Bible, I believe that it wasn't my behavior that earned me the right to be called a son of God. Paul's saying, you're called a son of God because of what Christ did for you. And it's through his finished work on the cross that now we can come and be known as sons and daughters of the living God, that we receive this great salvation. Not only that, but we receive this great family of God to have this. And, and, and Paul says, he says this, he goes, he goes, you are an heir. You receive an inheritance. Some of us are thinking like, that sounds really cool. <laughs> uh, that's, that, 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 that's, that's awesome, like, what is that inheritance? Is it gold? Is it, is it you know, here's the human heart. The human heart sees, hears that word and thinks of gold and, and, and power and fame. That's an inheritance that I'm all about. But Paul says, no, there's an inheritance that comes into a child of God that you all receive that will mark you as one of God's children. What is that inheritance? He says it right in the scripture. I hope it'll hit you right between the eyes. He says this, verse six. Actually, verse, verse four, let me, go, let me go there. He says, but when the set time had fully come, meaning that there was an appointed time for this all to take place, it was when God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman. Basically, he's saying that this, this son of God is God and he came from heaven. He was fully God. He says that he was born of a woman, meaning that he was fully man. And then he said he was born under the law, meaning that he was Jewish, that Jesus had to live under the 613 laws and lived a life for 30 years, obeying every one of those 16 and 13 laws. When no human could, Jesus did. That's what it means, that he had to live under that standard, live under that, and he did, without sin. Born under the law to redeem those under the law. That we might receive adoption to sonship full inheritance, full access to the family of God. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Our inheritance, friends, is the Holy Spirit. Our mark is the Holy Spirit, that we are entered in into the family of God, that we are adopted. And what that means, see, here's the thing, is that we have a different view of adoption here in the Western world, but, but, or even in, in, in Middle Eastern culture, it was a little different too. See, the firstborn son in Middle Eastern culture was a big deal, right? We read that throughout the Bible. Firstborn son, you get it all. Then the younger siblings get the scraps. But in Roman culture, the sonship that Paul is writing about, the sonship that he's, he's using as a definition to this crowd, to these people, they understood this. They understood that, that a Roman person can, can adopt a slave. They can adopt a servant. They can adopt anybody they want. And when they bring them to the status of adoption and it's legal, then that gives them full rights of the firstborn. 
And Paul's trying to get his, the people to read that and say, okay, who you were, God brought you in and brought you up. And now you have a full inheritance. You have everything that is of mine I give to you. Didn't Jesus say that a few times? Wow, how much would this change our lives if we believe this stuff? Paul's reiterating this thing, that in that spirit, the spirit of Christ. He says, listen to how he says it. He says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit who cries out or calls out, Abba, Father. Oh, when I read Jesus' prayers, doesn't he call out Abba, Father? You know what's amazing to me? Is that in this early century, to these people, when they heard the word Abba, Father, when they, when they heard this term, Abba, to refer to God, I mean, this astonished them. This, this, this was a stumbling block for many people. You know why? Because this word Abba is actually our word, Daddy. And when you would call God Daddy, I mean, they gasped. I'm sure the air got sucked out of the room when they thought, how dare anybody call God Daddy? How can somebody be that close to God and live? Why were they thinking that? Why did they struggle? Because of the works. They didn't match up to the privilege. Right? So that was a struggle, and they were wrestling with that. And he says, no, the spirit, the spirit of the son is in you, and it's through him, in him, that we can now come to God, and we can call him daddy. And there's something intimate about that call of daddy. Come on, father's in the room. When your kid calls your name, you get your attention. When they call you daddy, they get your heart. When they say, daddy, I need you, daddy, I wanna be around you. When they cry out, daddy, and raise their hands, you just are like, there's nothing in this world that can take me away from reaching down to my child. And yet through Christ, in Christ, we have that in it. We have that relationship. So it's not based on works. It's not based on my previous week. I can go to God anytime and cry out through the spirit, Abba, Father. Oh man, this is a beautiful thing. This is what was given through Christ. And he says, so no longer are you a slave, but God's child. That's verse seven. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Wow. There's so much in that alone. That you are an heir. That you are, I mean, there's some of us, we are wrestling. See, uh, I, I, I understand, I shared with you a little bit of just my own uh, upbringing and, and, and not having a dad. And I, and, and I always, as an older guy, I, I start to wonder and question a lot of that and go, God, what, why do I have such a hard time? Why, why is this still an issue? I felt like the older I get, the more harder it is for me. And, and, and this last week, as I was diving into this, there was some idea that I thought, man, I don't have a legacy to carry on because I was never handed one. When I think of fatherhood, when I think of a father, I think of a good father, I think of a legacy that's worth taking and moving forward. And for a guy who has big plans, who's excited about the future, I'm like, what am I using? <laughs> what legacy do I have to carry? What's the legacy that I could stand on? And I always felt like my ground was shaky. And I always wondered, like, what am, where is it at? I put, built my identity through that. And because of that, I felt like an orphan. 
feel illegitimate. I felt like, like I, I didn't have that. And it wasn't until this last couple of weeks that God's been really stirring. And I've been in a long journey through this. And it wasn't until this major breakthrough that God said, I am your heavenly father. And you being in me, that you are a son. And, and it's the legacy that is built from years and decades and centuries of faithful men and women that you stand on. You have solid ground, and the solid ground that you stand on, we sang it today, is Christ alone, amen? And that I can build, I could be a new tree for my family tree. I could be a new root because I'm ingrated and I'm connected to Christ Jesus. And it's that life that I live, and that's the legacy that I carry. Man, that was amazing to me. That broke through, and I think that there may be some of us men here that are struggling with identity, struggling with passing because we didn't have that legacy, and maybe you did, and maybe when I talk about God the Father, you have this weird view, you have this distorted view, you have this earthly view, but I'm telling you, you have a good, good Father in heaven who's perfect and good in all his ways. I know our heads nod, but do our hearts embrace that? I wanna just wrap it up in this, is, you know, we, this, this whole thing of God being our father, or Father God, it, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to, to have that concept and understand really what this is. And so I wonder, do you ever think of what is God the Father like? What, what does he think? And what, who is he? I, I know Jesus. I can understand Jesus, and I, I get that. But I just can't wrap my head around this God the Father thing. And I, I don't know. And for some people, I know, I talk to you in the hallways and in offices, and for some of you, man, that's, that's a stumbling block. That's a hard one. God wants to express, show you all of him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you've blocked off this God the Father thing because of maybe your earthly example or just that terminology or whatever, and you're just like, man, I just can't do this. I believe God's gonna set you free today because he's closer than you know, and he's, he's more, you understand him more than you think. People wondered in Jesus' day, and they wondered what God was like and what God thought. And they had all these rules and regulations and rituals and they were just like, man, I don't get it. And Jesus came to be the perfect expression of the Father. I wanna tell you, Jesus didn't come to explain God the Father. He came to be the best explanation of the Father. Jesus said in, or in John 1, 18, he says, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who himself is God and is the closest relationship with the Father, and he has made him known. Hebrews 1.3 says, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So if you're looking for who God is, how God the Father looks, what he thinks, what Jesus said, everything that I say is from him. Everything that I do is because of him and what his direction. He says, if you see me, you see the Father. Jesus is that expression. Jesus' life, Jesus through the scriptures is there to show us the Father's heart. Look no further than Jesus. Grab a hold of what Jesus did and what he taught and how he lived his life and you see the Father's heart. And Jesus said, I've come so that I could reveal this to you, that I could show you. And based on all these things that I've shared, thanks, based on this tension that's in many of our hearts, I wanna ask you today, where is your relationship with God the Father? Is it there? Is it real? Do you feel like you can come to him? 
Do you feel like he's distant? Do you feel like he's maybe a provider for you, but maybe that's it? And Jesus said, no, I've come, and, I, and I've come so that you can have that richness, I, that you could have that intimacy, that you can have that connection. You don't have to connect with God by all the things you do. You connect with God <laughs> through grace, by grace, through faith in Christ. And that changes everything. And I wanna ask you, how does that change your life? How is that, how is that working out for you? I wanna close with asking you that question. Where is my walk with God? Am I just trying to get his approval? Am I just trying to get on his good side? Or do I truly believe that I am a son, that I am a daughter, that I am a child of God and that I can come as I am, fully, good, the bad, and the ugly, and receive and be accepted by him. And it's in that intimacy, it's in that relationship that I start to grow. Now I'm telling you, spiritual disciplines are important, but they're not meant to try to work in favor of God, for God's favor. It's meant to grow us, to restore us, to bring health into our lives. It's meant to be a response to God. All the good works, man, it's in the Bible. It's all meant to be a reflection of our gratitude and our worship towards God. That's why we do it. If we're doing it for the wrong reasons, it's, it's, it's gonna be empty. It's gonna get you tired. It's gonna burden you down. It's gonna make you lose your joy. And there's some grumpy Christians out there because they're trying to do all the things and do all the cartwheels and trying to gain favor. And Jesus says the freedom comes when you just become a child and know that you have a God in heaven who loves you and accepts you. Now we live in response to that. So I want to close. If you can just close your eyes as we close. I want to ask you a couple of questions. And then I want us to just respond. Number one, I want you to think of when I say the word Father or God our Father, what image do you have? What does he look like? What's he, what's he like? Is he, is he angry? Is he kind of father that you try to, you always have to earn and prove? Is he one with really high expectations that you kind of hide the weakness and just show him the strengths? Or do you feel a connection? I wanna ask you, who gave you that image? Where did that image come from? And the next question is, what have you learned about God the Father through the Son? Let's replace those thoughts and let's look at the son and say, what did we learn about God the Father through the son? And I want you to just fill in those thoughts there. Think about Jesus and what he showed, what he taught, and look at the image of our father. Now the next question, 
for all of us, and it's like when you approach God, how do you approach him? Do you approach him as a worker, as a servant, or do you approach him as a child? Can we stand? We're gonna close out. I asked Christy to just kind of lead us in just, just two minutes of just being in the Father's presence, acknowledging his presence and coming to him as a child comes to a father. Whatever that means to you, we're gonna acknowledge our good, good father and who he is. We're gonna worship him. We're gonna thank him. We're gonna talk to him. We're just gonna spend two minutes just doing this and then I'll wrap it up. But I just wanna give you that moment and we walk out of here. What a better, be, and I can't think of a better way to celebrate Father's Day to acknowledge the presence of our father in heaven. Amen. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me All my days I am held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire in darkest night. You were close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend. Oh, and I have lived in the goodness of God. Oh, my And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. you with a heart full of thanksgiving, God, of all the times that you've been there for us, how you've guided us, how you loved us, how you corrected us, how you came into our lives, God, in ways that we could not imagine, yet that never stopped you. You kept pursuing, you kept bringing your presence in front of us, God. And so, God, I pray, God, that all of us would acknowledge those moments right now and that we just give you this, this, this thanksgiving right now from the bottom of our hearts to say, God, you are a good father. Thank you for being our father. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to guide and direct our lives. Thank you for your amazing presence. Thank you for your gentle hand. We love you, God, and we thank you, and we wanna just give you all the glory and all the praise for everything that you've done. Help us walk out of here with that heart of thanksgiving and that heart of joy because we know that we have a good, good Father in heaven. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. Well, thank you so much for spending your Father's Day with us. We have a special treat for all the fellas. Hopefully you guys can make...
Uh, take one before you leave. God bless you guys. See you next week.